Tough, tough, tough shooting night for Tyrese Maxey and the Philadelphia 70. Well, specifically him with no Joel Embiid <laughs> on a Christmas day. Welcome to the PHLY Sixers post game alongside my partner, Kyle Newbeck. I'm Devon Givens. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everybody. Hope you had a fantastic day. Maybe it's still going for you at 1037 at night. We're here with you to break down the game. We appreciate JP hanging out with us, producing as well. Derek Botner with a much-deserved, well-deserved night off. Kyle will get the I don't next know one. about much-deserved. Kyle, yeah. Kyle will get the next one since I'm the one that has to make up for my three months off. <laughs> Kyle, hey, man, good to be with you. And a tough, tough, tough shooting night for Tyrese Maxey. Well, too. so first of all, I just have to personally apologize to everyone because, as everyone can see, did not wear a hoodie today. I wore my, we could call it Christmas best, I guess, yeah. and it turned out to be Miami Vice pink. So I will say that was worth at least two points in the loss, two minus two points, we'll say. So well, that still wouldn't have made up the difference. Well, factor in my missing of the first half. There you go. Devon's busy. It's It happened. So my bad, guys. I wore the pink dress shirt instead of a hoodie and... I played my part in a Sixers L on Christmas, but I'm doing well, Devon. You know, it was, I did not imagine when I started out in this business, I'd be sitting here with you at 1030 on Christmas, hanging yeah. out, sitting in the, the PHLY lounge. And I certainly didn't imagine coming into today that we would see the version of Tyrese Maxey that we did. I actually, I'm curious for your take on this, Devon. He obviously has been very good in lineups without Joel on the floor this year, right? Those bench groups mm -hmm. that he's leading at the start of second and fourth quarters been very good. The numbers suggest that he's been a plenty capable captain without Joel, but the games where he has to play 48 minutes without Joel, he's been bad. And that's not been the case basically at all during his career. These have been some of his platforms to become a beloved player in Philadelphia, turn in a, 30-point game and be that spark for the team. What do you think is going wrong for him? And I guess, what did you see that went wrong tonight specifically? Well, tonight specifically, I'll start there and just focusing on just after a while. Of course, I jumped in a little bit late because of doing the Eagles post game with Bo Wolf and, and Zach Berman. But once I got caught up in talking to Kyle and figuring everything out, looking at some of the box, seeing some of the highlights also, it, it already – it was already very much in my head that he was in his own head because as a shooter and as a scorer, it was what it was in the first half. He had to leave that where it was and not allow that to overtake what was going to happen in the second half. You're mm -hmm. down by a big number, eventually down by as much as 21 points, but the Sixers surge back. So when that happens, you just need to be a part of it. However, you need to be a part of it, whether that's defensively, getting out there in the open floor, finishing some transition buckets, getting to the free throw line, making free throws, which will then open up the wide variety of things, uh, wide variety, pardon me, of things that he can do that we have seen him and know him to do yeah. this season. But he, he looked like he had the 
same kind of mindset that we've been talking about about Tobias Harris so much. Mm-hmm. And I don't expect it to carry over and see these games this three this week, the next three games this week. But it was just more of it carried over into the second half. And I think that really did him in because once you could see his shoulders, when we talk about the body language and A.J. Brown and some of the others during the Eagles game, you now look at Tyrese Maxey when things weren't going his way. He was still passing it, things of that nature. But the body language when it was time for him to shoot the ball or drive and finish, you alluded to catching me up of how he wasn't getting some calls that looked like Tyrese Maxey should have gotten some calls yeah. in that first half. And with it, that was frustrating him, not getting the call, not finishing, not making free throws. Then when he was getting to the free throw line and not hitting his three-pointers, all of that stuff just rolled into one, really affected his game. I think this is an isolated thing, but it's also something that we talked about when Embiid is out for an entire game, rolled the ankle on Friday, did not make the trip to Miami that we would watch and see how Maxi played in a game like this where they're targeting him. And if we're going to give him credit for when, Mac, uh, when Embiid is out and he drops 35 on someone or a 28 great floor game and leads this team to a win or a close loss, we also have to point out, yes, these types of games happen. Yeah. It's basketball. However, he didn't respond to it well enough, I'm sure, like we would have liked to have seen. Yeah, and so you brought up the point about the officials and illicit traps in the comments said that the refs threw him off from the start. He wasn't in a rhythm. I wouldn't go quite that far. I, I would certainly say if you look at some of the no calls and everyone, I think, watching this show knows how I feel about Tony Brothers because I've said it many times over the years that I, I don't appreciate his style of officiating. I, I think... He got slapped or slapped at or collided with on a bunch of trips to the basket tonight that he deserved at least consideration for a call. I won't say that they outright missed a bunch of them, but there are a few. I said it to you, Devon, as we were watching the game. There was a Tyler Hero reach-in that was maybe the most obvious foul of the entire game that they decided not to call for a certain reason. But I will say it's something we've hit on on this show previously I think he's got to do a better job of playing through that stuff. I think teams at this point realize and look at him as a smaller guy on the floor. If we make him try to play through contact, there will be games. If that runner's not falling, if he gets some tough in and outs on shots that he'll wilt a little bit and he's going to have to deal with that until he proves that he can play through it. Now that's like you said, Devon, it's one game. It's an isolated performance against a good physical defensive team, obviously, team that historically has shut down players like Tyrese. Might have been on, who knows if he was out on South Beach having a little fun <laughs> on Christmas Eve before the game. I'm not going to cast any aspersions. To me, the big disappointment of that game is not that he shot poorly, not that he didn't react the right way to officiating, but by the time we got to the fourth quarter and it's winning time, as you're saying, Devon, I don't care what you have to do to impact the game, but as the guy who becomes number one on the scouting report, you're essentially the leader of the team on a night that Joel's not there. I thought he just deferred and deferred and deferred, like not setting guys up, not playmaking, just saying, I don't want this shot because I'm cold. And, you know, there's a thin line between I'm going to keep going, I'm going to hunt for my shot, even though I'm two for 18 or whatever he was at different points in the game. And just playing selfishly, but I want to see Tyrese play selfishly. That's one of the few guys on that team. I want him taking the 20th shot after he's missed 16 different shots. So 
to go into passive maxi mode, I did not appreciate that. That's something we saw much earlier in his career when he did not have the, the long leash and the control of the team he does now. They can't afford for that guy to be there, especially on a night without Joel. And to me, that's one of the biggest reasons they lost this game. Yeah, and you brought up you want him to shoot 20 times after the fact. You're absolutely right. We saw some plays in the game, and we said, oh, that was a maxi shot right there. Yeah. But what he did was he wasn't trusting himself. He wasn't trusting the shot. This had nothing to do with the officials. These were outside shots, step-back threes that he normally makes, and he just wasn't shooting it. You could even see it when he was on the free-throw line and he missed his free-throws. Oh, and that's – I mean, he is arms money dropped. at the free-throw line. Like close to 90%, right? Yeah. Arms dropped, slapping his, his, uh, his thighs, basically, and he's like, this is just not my night. But – What's that telling your defender? Because they're seeing it too. Or the coaches are seeing it and they're telling their players, he's done. He's, he's not in it. Yes. He's giving the ball to Tobias Harris when he has the matchup that he needs, that they, they hunt that matchup against Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero. Take him. And he wasn't doing that. So you can clearly see that that's where it was. That was troublesome for him. And again, mentioned it. We both agreed it's one game. He will snap out of it. I expect a much bigger game on Wednesday. That said, tonight, he was not good, and that's something that you just don't want to see. Find ways to win. Get that steal. Take that charge. Play that passing lane. Get that rebound. Hit that kick-ahead pass. And he was making the extra pass, but the problem was, we thought, at least, he should have been shooting that instead of making that extra pass because Tyrese Maxey would normally do that. Now, sounds like I'm being a little bit... All right, Devon, he's kind of speaking out both sides of your mouth because you want him <laughs> to shoot it, but then you want him to pass it. You want him to make the right play. But, yeah, when I've seen you do it and when I've seen you can take Tyler Hero off the dribble, you have a favorable matchup. Outside of Kyle Lowry, which he can still get by Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry, Ty- Tyler Hero, and Duncan Robinson, you need to go by them. Just bottom line. Yeah. You need to go by them. And, sure, you weren't getting the calls, but, again, put that pressure on the defense. Put the pressure on the officials. I was going to say, and the officials, too. To it's make a very the call. To make the call. Because what's going to happen? Nick Nurse might get a tech himself. We'll get to the other tech. But Nick Nurse might get a tech himself, and it, they might blow the whistle the next time down because Nick Nurse already put the pressure on the official to make sure that he called it as such when need be. So, bad game for him. Something he has to get out of. What did he finish with overall? He finished with... He's he four with 12. 12 points, and Devon, to his credit, said he'll get you at least 11 when he saw the line at halftime, can't score, can't do this. You were almost right on the money. Some of those were garbage time points. Especially that deep three that he hit. Yeah. I mean, it, was just like, it was like 30 seconds left. So I will say, Devon, another thing that I'm, I'm formulating the thoughts as I'm listening to you talk. Sure. I think one of the other negative side effects of the passivity is mm-hmm. that who is getting the touches and the shots and is controlling the team as Tyrese concedes control of it. And honestly, it ended up working out well for him at times because, and we'll get to him in a little bit on his own, Kelly Oubre had a blinder of a night from three, shot the hell out of the ball. So that ends up working out. The negative is that with Tyrese being passive and the, the ball recycling in the offense, DeAnthony Melton is controlling the ball more. And DeAnthony as we've seen many times, when he has too much control of the offense, not a good finisher at the rim, gets himself in trouble dribbling the basketball, and he ends up tonight, what was he, five for 17? He's two for nine from three. Mm-hmm. He's taken – I love DeAnthony's confidence. I wish we could have taken like 10% of the confidence DeAnthony had to take a step back three late in that game when he was already two for eight from mm-hmm. three. 
and just give that to Tyrese and say, look, bro, this is your team tonight. You got to go out there and seize the game. So that's what I, it's like when it goes to D'Anthony and then Pat Bev, who Pat Bev was fine. Yeah, He's like he was a, fine. He had an okay night. I do think that you can see the limitations that Pat as your lead guard off the bench puts on the team there. They had a stretch from, I want to say it was like five and a half minutes left in the first until a few minutes into the second quarter where they didn't make a field goal. Right. And certainly not all on Pat. It's not on any guy when you go on that long of an offensive drought, but it's one of those games where I think to myself, you know, Maybe I'm not as anti Zach Levine <laughs> as I say. On, and I, we keep mentioning the, the dynamic is going to switch depending on the game and sure. you know how it goes. There are some nights, man, where I just look out there and I'm like, they got one guy who can dribble. Yeah. And if teams can wall off and shut down Tyrese, and we haven't gotten to Miami's part of this too, I do think they deserve some credit for. Look, they got away with some physicality, but they generally did a good job of walling Tyrese off, not giving him that easy path to the paint and forcing him to, it's like, hey, buddy, you might have to go left here and beat somebody with your left hand, or you might have to hit a mid-range shot, might have to do something that is not part of your normal offensive flow. So Eric Spolscher is a great coach. They have a great culture there, all that. I still, even with all that underneath it, they need more out of Tyrese and Heavy is the head that wears the crown, man. We're sitting here saying he's a definite all-star. Still has an a, all-star. Has a case to start in the all-star game. Right. If all that's the case, I need more from you than you gave them tonight. That's yeah. all. Uh, uh, traps here, uh, I, I, I think it says Ilsa Traps, uh, says, uh, watch the game back. You put pressure on the officials, and they were pinballing him all night. He definitely needs to play through it, but the refs played a huge part. In it, and you mentioned it earlier with our other comment, uh, talking about the officials not giving him the calls. You said it himself in the first, but traps again, got to play through it. And it's something that we saw him drive a little bit, get ticked off. The one play where Kyle was alluding to, where he got fouled on the bump by Tyler Hero, he threw up a lefty runner just because he figured. The I'm going to get coming. this call, yeah. So at least get the shot off to get the two free throws because they weren't in the bonus yet. They weren't in the penalty. So get the get the shot off, and maybe I'll get that. I'm going to get that favorable call. Let me get to the free throw line. At that point, now he's dejected because he's like, what else do I need to do to get this call? He has to play through it, like you said. So um, watching it back, you might be right. But overall, we saw the same thing. He has to play through it in order to do so. And if he does and not let it affect, you mentioned do something like get a mid-range shot. We saw the mid-range shot around four minutes. And as you said, during the game, it was almost as if he felt like he had to take it to take the shot because it was open. He needed to because it was open, but he, he didn't, didn't shoot want it. to take it. He, he, he short armed it. it. Yeah, he didn't shoot it. He threw it up there. And that's, that's what you get when something like that just seeps into your head. And we were just waiting. When I said, all right, he's going to finish with 11 points. And Kyle mentioned it. You just needed a four-minute run where he goes from like that five minutes to the one-minute mark, sixes up three. Now your defense just has to buckle down mm -hmm. in that final 60 seconds to pick up the W. And we're on here talking, look how he fought through that. Look how he did traps as you're talking about, just playing through everything to find a way to win the game. I was saying the 11 is just going to come in the flow of him going off in the fourth quarter to do his part to put his team over the top. Unfortunately, he did not do that. So we'll see. We'll see how he fares. He's, he's going to have another opportunity in a game like this where he plays poorly and he has a poor stretch. And even if Embiid is on the floor and he has to snap out of it, he's going to have another game. 
And more likely than not, he's probably going to do much better in that situation than he did tonight because he is that good of a player like we've talked about all season long. Tough loss for him. Tough loss for them because with him beat out, Jimmy Butler out on the other side, this was a winnable game and they probably should have had. If he played and, and hit his normal number of his average of 25-26 and he gives you 13-15, to 15, they probably win this game because the flow and complexion of the game is totally different. Yeah, and look, part of the reason that we're harping on him so much here is he never has these games. Right. It's, it's rare. Even when Tyrese has a bad night, this is an uncommonly bad night because he'll have a sleep, not a sleepy game for three quarters. He's more of a setup guy, whatever. And then you look up start of a fourth quarter and he rips off eight to 10 points, swings the game in a matter of two, three minutes. Timeout opponent. And all of a sudden, Joel Embiid's back in the game and he's leading the closing kick and Tyrese is playing off of him. Well, tonight as the feature guy, wasn't able to do that. So we don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater and be like, Tyrese sucks and this is the no. problem with him as the number two. Like, here's the other thing. I, I think what's also clear is that if Joel is hurt and misses meaningful games... This team is not winning anything anyway. So yep. how Tyrese performs as the number one guy without Joel, to me, is not relevant. All that I care about this season, and I've cared about since the start of the season, is seeing whether Tyrese is a capable number two playing with and off of Joel. And he is beyond proven that. He's been better than I think he had any right to prove through the first you know 30-ish games that they played, right? So he's already far ahead of where I wanted and thought he could be at this stage. And so these games, it's like, yes, it's disappointing. Yes, I would have liked to see more from Tyrese. There are things that I certainly did not like that we've already – I feel like this is Festivus rather than Christmas. We're doing the, <laughs> the airing of grievances. Oh, are but we best friends now? That's your show too? I, I love me oh, some Seinfeld. Oh, we can do we some Seinfeld anytime, Ward. Here, yeah. boy. <laughs> Go for That's it. probably aging us a little bit, though. You know, I, hey. I feel like a boomer or at least a Gen Xer hey, when man, I talk the about re uh, The replays are always on. So, <laughs> hey, hey, I still watch them back. But go ahead. I'm sorry. But all that is to say, yes, I didn't like that Tyrese performance for obvious reasons, but I don't think it means almost anything for him specifically as it relates to, you know, the playoffs and whether he can be the guy next to Joel on a contender. It certainly doesn't raise my antennas right now. It's, I, I re I'll remember it, mm -hmm. but it doesn't raise my antennas as we go forward. I'm okay with uh, what, not with, I'm okay with it. I can look at this for what it is. And I expect, I have the utmost, uh, utmost confidence in him that he will bounce back on Wednesday. hundred percent. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk a little bit more about, um, if you want to see that team on the road on Wednesday, Philadelphia. I know where you can go. Listen, if you if you headed down to Florida for a little family time, maybe a little Sixers, they're in Orlando coming up. Interesting young team. If you need tickets to that one or any Sixers game that's coming up, the game time app is the place to go because guys buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy and even theater, I always bring up theater near you. They got killer deals on last minute tickets and a great best price guarantee. No more stress over the tickets. Start getting hype, guys. The place for last minute ticket deals because you don't have to plan months in advance. You can get deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. There are exclusive flash deals on tickets. The game time guarantee means if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. I always say every time I think that's amazing. 
and it's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for good reason. You can get images of your seat before you buy the tickets. So you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. I don't know about Devon. I've showed up to arenas outside of the NBA where I have to pay to get in. I'm not a member of the media anymore. And I've seen some people are either near some pillars or it might be even be behind a pillar. You don't want to end up in a situation like that. And that's what the Game Time app is here for. So guys, snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And as the holiday winds down and we sit here with you on this night, I'm wondering if maybe you snuck a little few stocking stuffers in there for your friends. And I your sure family. hope so. And if you did, I hope you listen to us about our good friends at FOCO, a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment and merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. If you didn't, you still have time to maybe correct that a little bit, get these gifts for later on this week. And they have the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. It's football and tailgating season. So if you're looking forward to Arizona, the final regular season home game for Philadelphia next weekend, Arizona, coach that you don't necessarily like too much, well, you'll be in town and you want to look your best to get thrown out of the game because you're going to act a <laughs> fool. Make sure you have your overalls, your hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for the game. They'll pick up maybe their 12th victory of the campaign. FOCO has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. FOCO always has our back, as you can see here when we uh, have our double camera from Philly Sports. And they have yours, too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description for all non-presale items. Use the promo code PHLY10 for 10% off. Again, code PHLY10, and that's for 10% off. Look, you can buy your tickets on game time, buy your gear from FOCO, and then boo the hell out of Jonathan Gannon. How yes. about, that sounds like Don't a great... Don't get thrown out. Just boo A, a great Christmas gift to yourself. <laughs> that sounds sounds great to me. We did have a... want to get to this super to chat super from chat. our friend Furious Devon. Yes, yes. So Furious, thank you, Furious, for being with us on Christmas at all, let alone sending us a nice little donation. Furious asks, or says, Levine had the same defensive rating as Tobias last year. And is a far better offensive player. Feel like on this team would be a better fit, and that contract won't look as bad with the new CBA. I'll I'll leave. I'll push fit over to you. The point about the CBA, I'd say there's two ways to think about it. And, and furious is mine because every year the cap goes up, right? Because it's based on the TV deal and all sorts of other factors. Generally, up and up and up and up, and so you have more dollars to spend before you hit each of the different luxury tax thresholds. So because Levine signed under a previous CBA, his deal will be comparatively cheaper than someone who signed a similar deal next year or this year, whenever it is. The problem, yes. The problem is that the constraints in the new CBA are a lot tougher. So the teams that are and there are fewer of these teams now, right? Like three-star teams. We're not seeing as many of those anymore. It's a lot of two-stars and role players. Seems to be the growing new model that you're going with. If you have three max or close to max guys and you're bumping up against the, the second apron, you start to lose the ability to do things like trade certain types of contracts. You can't sign buyout players when they get bought out 
after the deadline or before the playoff deadline. So you're less of a competitor for that. Over the long, long term, you can actually lose the ability to use second round draft picks and things of that nature. And so I understand the point about the, you know, his deal will be cheaper relative to guys who are signing now, but it's still not a cheap contract. He's going to make a lot of money and become a, a linchpin player in your organization. And I just, I personally don't trust Levine enough for him to be that guy, but I do waffle on nights like tonight where I'm like, God damn, I wish they had a second guy who could really dribble the basketball yeah. and shoot for that matter. And as far as that goes, you look at, as Kyle lays all that out, Daryl Morey wants that flexibility. And if that is going to be a constraint with the already put together contract that Levine has, it just doesn't seem like when you talk about Furious Fit, that's more of the fit of Daryl Morey not wanting to do something like that. Now, on the floor fit, we already know how talented he is. It's just when we always speak about Will he buy into the role that he is going to have to coming into this franchise? Joel Embiid is the clear-cut guy. I don't think he'll have a problem with that. It's now the emergence of, you know, the emergence of Tyrese Maxey as the second star on this team where it looks like that's something that we trust more going forward. He's 23 years of age, probably making his first All-Star team if he keeps this pace up uh, for this team. They'll be in the top three. He's going to make that all-star team, all of that. And when we've dealt with vibes, being around the players at, in the locker room, practice games, Kyle more than me, but vibes dealing with that type of stuff, seeing how it has really infected, with all due respect, the locker room in the past, you don't want to bring something like that in here also without knowing the, que- the answer to the questions because looking at Chicago – and the run that they're on now, and they're playing very, very well without him on the floor. The last, lasting images that we saw of Zach Levine before he got injured was them winning a game, him running off the floor, ticked off for whatever reason. We don't know, but it seemed like it was more based on his team and not the other team after you won. So when we talk about body language and things of that nature, it's already the fit, then it's the body language of why are you bailing out on this situation right now? Sure, it's frustrating. You have your three players, all-star players, and Vucevic, DeRozan, and Levine. Something's not right. You're a leader. You're supposed to be leading and getting us out of this. And one other leader is DeMar DeRozan. Not necessarily Nick Vucevic. That's not what he's known for. So if your leader is doing this and you're not trying to figure that situation out while quietly asking out, I don't know how he's going to take it as far as a fit goes when it comes to coming to Philadelphia, playing with these two. Maybe winning will help that situation, but you know what? I'm willing to not take that chance and find another that might be a Zach Levine next season going into the trade deadline after they probably take care of business this summer and doing whatever it is that they do to finish constructing the roster or, again, at the deadline. Maybe they find Caruso, his teammate, or someone else that will make this team uh, have an overall better fit that way than going to add Zach Levine. Talented scorer, but it just doesn't work for us here. Yeah, and so my version of making that point is I want guys who are about the right things, right? Like, And the trick for talent evaluators, GMs, scouts, whatever – is figuring out somebody like Levine. Is he a product of being in a bad environment or is he the cause of the environment? 
And I think the stretch that they are on in Chicago without him is a real negative indicator for him, right? Because it's easy to say, okay, Chicago's not super talented. They're they're okay. They got yeah. some guys on that, certainly a bunch of NBA players on that team, but maybe there's some overlap with him and DeRozan need the ball too much a little bit at times or want the ball too much at times, and they step on each other's toes. That doesn't mean that they're bad players, but some weird fit stuff I think fits a lot more important than people realize a lot of the time. But it's easy to say you put him in the right team with the right coach and the right system – He's got the talent to figure it out. Well, that's not always the case. Sometimes it's not talent. Sometimes it's mentality. It's a guy has to, we bring it up with OG Ananobi as well. One of the concerns I've had, you know, talking with people in Toronto is he's always wanted to be a little bit more of a guy than he is. Not a pure role player, but like, hey, I want to be putting more pick and rolls. Like, I want this, I want that. And you have to figure out, is he saying that because he just, the team isn't good enough? So he's like, well, if the team's not good, I deserve more opportunities. Or will this be a constant problem? And this will follow him to different places. So I can't sit here and tell you, I don't know Zach Levine or Ananobi or a right. lot of these guys on other teams well enough. But all you can do is observe and see, what are they like as teammates? What do people say about them? Are they quote-unquote, winning players? Do they buy in in ways that impact basketball beyond I have the ball and I'm happy because I get to shoot 20 or 25 times? And that is how a lot of teams who are, like, look, the separator between a lot of these title teams, conference finals teams, whatever, is not necessarily talent, right? Sixers are a great example. Joel Embiid just won the MVP, one of the greatest basketball talents on earth. Tyrese is great. James Harden, top 75, former MVP, all that. When push came to shove, the mentality was not right. The, the overall cohesion on both ends of the floor was not right. They didn't get enough shooting. Joel's not healthy. And it comes down to so many little things. And we can gloss over the little things for the sake of, hey, they've got more talent than anybody. But talent doesn't always win. We've seen it 100,000 times. So... That's my only concern with Zach is he has never been a winning for like a, a driving force behind winning in the NBA. Has he fit into a okay team when things are rolling? Yes. But how people respond to adversity, including when they create the adversity themselves is as big of an indicator of whether you can be a title winning player as almost anything there is. And that's a question that we don't know. Uh, being in losing situations, I th what has he been in the playoff one time? His I, I believe career? once. And he's been the best player on that on those teams. And not making the postseason, it's not all on him, but it's also a bit of a reflection uh, on him in those situations. And you wonder how he would be. Is he at this point of his career where he's like, I want to win? I'll do whatever no it takes. What. Yeah. No matter what. I'm tired of losing. I want to win. And that's the bottom line. I probably still want to make some all-star teams, but I won't impact our team negatively if I'm not getting what I want. We don't know that answer. That's up to Daryl Morey, Elton Brand, the rest of the front office, the scouts to figure that stuff out when they're calling and speaking to Chicago. But that's something that we just simply don't know. Uh, Derek Bodner, 
We thought he was off tonight. He contributed to the yeah, show. He's in, he's in the comments, so he's clearly got time to be here with us. He just chose. He says, not uh, to. but he's in on the side. In fairness, a little easier to comment from your <laughs> your bed on your. He's sitting. I'm just picturing Derek on his cell phone, just like head on his pillow, ready to fall asleep, <laughs> listening to Devon's soothing voice over there. Uh, so he says, uh, we will be doing the feats of strength on Wednesday show to close out Festivus. Oh boy, on Wednesday. All right, you're in charge of that, Derek. <laughs> Feats of strength. I got a lot of problems with you people. We, that was the Eagle Show. You're going to hear about them. That was the Eagle Show. No question. Our good buddy. <laughs> Austin Crow. Merry Christmas to me and me only. But then he jumps in and says, Kyle, you know I got That's love for you too. Crow always trying to get free promo on this show. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, Even on Christmas, the, the grind never stops for... Free promo crowd. Oh, man, look at that. Well, let me tell you before we get to some of the good that we did see in the game tonight, albeit a loss for the Sixers, tell you about some things uh, involving your subscriptions because plenty of times, man, I get in subscription trouble. I'm like, oh, this one doesn't work? That one is still working? That's on? I forgot about that. There's the email, all of that. Well, you know where I go to solve that problem? I know Bo Wolf talks about it all the time. I go to Rocket Money, check in with our good friends there, Rocket Money. Uh, look, if, if you have it and you have these problems with these subscriptions and you don't know what's going on. Maybe Derek just found out he had two Max subscriptions, See? man. Like yeah. a, This is why we need Derek here to be the testimonial <laughs> for Rocket Money. Yeah. Uh, did you find any that you forgot about? Maybe around this time when you're doing some things for some holiday viewing, when your family's over, you're going to your family. Hey, I'll log in. You can use mine over at this place. Well... Guess what? You paid for it twice and you didn't realize it. Well, Rocket Money canceled subscriptions for you that was otherwise tricky or time consuming. So if you have that problem, you get an alert from Rocket Money. You can increase in subscription price or negotiate it for you. Rocket Money will do those types of things. The personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Who doesn't want their bills lowered? I know I do. Rocket Money has over $5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. That's Derek Bodner. That's why I got rid of both. He's of responsible those for 100 million <laughs> exactly. of those canceled subscriptions. So if you are like Derek or Bo and you want to get rid of those unwanted subscriptions, they're giving you problems. They don't even let you do it. You go see our friends at Rocket Money. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash P-H-L-Y. That's rocketmoney.com slash P-H-L-Y. Rocketmoney.com slash P-H-L-Y. I thought I still had a subscription to the old sport magazine. Listen, I actually <laughs> probably should get on Rocket Money and, and make sure that I'm not yeah. doubling down on some Because I feel like between my wife and I and then, you know, doing the little trades between friends like hey sure. i got this I, i'll let you have this subscription so yeah. i i should probably double check all should that probably myself jump in on that. yeah and by the way furious who he had the super chat he did bring up i think this is a fair point to put a bow on the levine thing joel's 29 not taking a risk or focusing on long-term flexibility can be risky i agree with that and i i think that doesn't mean they should trade for Levine, but I do think that there's at least a responsibility to make some kind of move or multiple. If they're smaller moves, then make more than one move. Like try to push some chips in and give Joel and Tyrese for that matter, a real chance to win while 
Joel's still at the peak of his powers. Tyrese is obviously a, a clear-cut, great sidekick, number two for him. I, do, I would not find it acceptable to go into the deadline just because they're saying flexibility, flexibility, flexibility to then be like, well, we're just going to defer until later. We're happy with what we got. Like, I, I don't think that can be the plan. Yeah. And I don't think it will be the plan. I think Daryl's going to be pretty active between now and February. Well, one of those guys you hope can continue his solid play from tonight, which we saw early on in the season, went away for a little bit, came back. Hasn't really hit his stride. Kelly Oubre, 25 yes. tonight. You mentioned it. Hit six of his nine uh, three-point opportunities. He was nine for 16 from the floor in 39-plus minutes. Starting role, seven boards, three assists, one block shot, one steal. Looked pretty good tonight. You hope that that's something that is uh, arrow pointing up going forward. Yeah, look, I mean, it's one of the simplest ways to analyze basketball, but when you make shots you're going to look pretty good. So <laughs> Kelly having one of those games after, as you said, I think it's been a tough stretch or at least a semi-tough stretch for him since coming back from injury. That's good. Like if you accomplish nothing else in that game other than Kelly's back in the right direction, that's a good thing. I mean, we were, we were laughing. That one, they had a broken possession where Tyrese lost the ball. He's getting trapped out the half court. Ball like squirts out. Kelly picks it up off the ground. Hits a ridiculous pull up three. The like, hot potato. Yeah, that's a great example of how Kelly's confidence can kill you at times. Frankly, he's gonna take some tough shots, but he picks that ball up. He stares at the rim and he's like, "I don't give a shit how bad this possession <laughs> is. I'm putting that ball up, and I think it's going in every single time it leaves my hand." So, I respect the hell out of a guy who's as confident as that as a shooter. I think certainly tonight with Tyrese looking, frankly, kind of spooked with all the shooting issues, to see Kelly just take on some creative responsibilities. You know, he's beating guys off the dribble. He got to the rim, got an M1 against, can't remember if it was Duncan Robinson or Tyler Hero, but nice finish through contact. Attacking the rim on top of hitting those shots from the outside. So, look, I, I think I've said it a bunch of times here on the pod I think he's given them way more than they than certainly I expected. Mm -hmm. I think he's been a revelation as a minimum signing. Like if you if you had sat down in you know July, August, whatever, and just listed Kelly's stats and gave a basic description of how he's played up to this point, we would have thought oh, he probably got like five to ten million dollars in the offseason just based on that. So I think he's been overall very good. There's a great bounce back game for him. And, you know, hopefully that as I think it looks like he's probably going to get more minutes in the the week ahead because Nick Batum's hamstring holding him back from being in the lineup at all. Robert Covington not playing at all tonight, which that's a interesting. Let's, let's talk about that in, in a minute. But yeah. Kelly Arrow back stock up if we had the, the charts and the hats in here and no good for him. It was a good night for him. Yeah, no question about it. Hopefully that can continue. Tobias Harris with a team high 27, 10 of 18. Aggressive Tobias remain and uh 40 plus minutes there, four of seven from three. He had a, a one with the shot clock winding down, and he needed to shoot that when he drilled it. Also had six assists, seven boards, played pretty well tonight. Again, something that he can continue to build off. That's two consecutive games that he has played really well, uh, albeit a loss in this one. He played really good basketball on Friday and if he can continue this might be that stretch where we're always talking about it he'll play poorly they don't have two and a half three weeks where he's rolling and these are good things for him where you know those shots are going to be there for him you can see also 
when Embiid is not on the floor where he gets mad at something. Like it was the missed assignment on the back end for him. Someone scored on him, but he had no no one protecting the rim. Obama was in the game. I think it was directed at him, but he kind of slapped the basketball and he was out, you know, frustrated. He was vocal, you know, that vocal guy where you want to see that more when everyone is on the floor as a respected veteran and leader of this team. Seeing that more, it would benefit in terms of W's for this basketball team. So two sides to Tobias tonight. To your point, I think Tobias's offensive approach was great. And there's a lot of – I was actually laughing with our, our buddy Vince out there earlier where when he gets late clock shots or shot opportunities, I should say, it's almost like you get a window into who Tobias should be out there because the decision is made for him. And he makes a lot of those threes. And some of them are you know relatively tough contests from the other team. But because he's not thinking about it, he's not like – uh, what should I do? Should I attack the closeout? Should I take the three? Should I drive to the rim? Whatever it is, he just shoots and he makes it because guy's a good shooter. He's put a lot of work in, a lot of reps in over the years. But, oh, I mean, I say all that. That sounds very negative. The overall offense was yeah. good. Taking catch-and-shoot threes, doing the things that he should do there. I thought he, along with a lot of other guys tonight, was horrendous off-ball defensively. I saw a lot of just attentiveness issues where he was not engaged. Guys are back cutting him. And there's a lot of like pinball type plays where hits the guy near the rim. They're kicking it out to Duncan Robinson, Tyler hero. I mean, if Tyler hero hadn't shot poorly for a good stretch of that game, this might've been closer to a blowout than the, the close game it was down the stretch. So didn't love him there, but that was not as much him as it was the entire team. So Look, that's another reason I'm out on the the whole Levine <laughs> thing, I think, is you add Zach Levine to the mix there. Although I guess if he's traded, that's probably a Tobias type yeah. trade. But he's definitely taking Tobias' shots. Yeah. Plus, I, and plus I need more. I mean, yeah. I just think of Harden, that was his big problem, right? Like I think James, when you put a one on one matchup in front of him, he's strong enough, long enough, and, and fast enough a lot of times that he can play credible one on one defense. But once you're asking him, keep your head up off ball or navigate around a screen and do things that require effort and attentiveness, it goes off a cliff. So I think Tobias is certainly a much better play-to-play defender than James. Mm-hmm. I think Levine is right in that same category without the strength that James had. Yeah. So that anyway, too much yeah. Levine talk on this show already. Yeah, yeah already. <laughs> All right. We still have what a month in the and a half before we, not there'll, even a half. There'll be but, plenty of Levine talk yeah, before February. Yeah, plenty, plenty, especially, you know, how long it takes him to come back. Uh, real fast on the Sixers and then the Heat, Mobamba didn't start. Paul Reed got the start for Embiid, but offensively, his <laughs> seven for eight, hit his three triples at 18 points. Does this do anything? Because we, this is the second time we've seen it where he's gotten minutes at that fourth quarter playing over Paul Reed because he played well. And now this 18, but he still does not crack the rotation for for Nick Nurse. Well, and the interesting thing was that Mo got the start in the second half, and that's becoming not frequent, but it's happened a couple times now where Mo was playing better. And look, Paul had four fouls, probably was part of it too. It's got to protect Paul from fouling out of the game with, you know, 
a quarter and a half to play. I guess we got to make sure he plays at least a little bit because guys are probably on tired legs yeah. at, at the end of that game. Yep. But yeah, look, Mo, I think when the Sixers signed him in the offseason, this is a glimpse into what I think a lot of people expected. I defensively can't really move in space, whatever, like Which is can block puzzling. a shot. Yeah, I, look, he's huge, so he should and have athletic. some value at the rim. Yeah. But when you get him in space, it's a problem and some of the off-ball stuff. But look, stretch the floor was the important thing. When he was signed, the number one thing we harped on was stretch big. They haven't had many of those. Mo has had at least a, a decent track record as a shooter in recent years. And if he does nothing else but hit some threes and then some cleanup stuff around the basket, that separates him from Paul Reed on the bench. And so if Paul doesn't have it going or you need a different look to unlock a team that's sitting back, then Mo's a good option. And so I think this was a good example of this is what Mo can provide when he's rolling. Like I, I'm not enamored with a lot of parts of his game, but that's how you need to stay on a roster as a essentially a – third big or mm -hmm. two and a half big, depending on how you feel about Paul, when the starting center is the MVP of the league. It's do something that separates you from the pack. The shooting should be it. So it's nice to see him get some shots to go down. I do not know if that means he's going to get any real rotation minutes moving forward, but maybe Nick Nurse says, hey, revenge game against the Orlando Magic, your former team. Give him a shot out there. He's, he's rolling after this game. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Jaime Jaquez just had himself a game. He's he's one of those first team all rookies. Just a classic Miami Heat. Exactly. Player. You, you thought he would be a pretty good NBA player. Now he's dropping thirty one when their best player is out. You still have your other all star on the floor. Yet he leads the team and leads the game in scoring with thirty one, grabbing every offensive rebound that he wanted. That's just one of those energy effort guys that gives you those type of plays that you just marvel at every time. And when it's against the team that you're watching or you're covering or fans that you love your basketball team, he's the one that's always just going to make you pull your hair out because why are you not putting a body on him? Why does he want the basketball more than my team? He was phenomenal. And I, again, I only saw the second half caught up on some of the stuff in the first half with the highlights, but he was tremendous. Yeah. And there's some people sounding off on more Sixers guys. And I, I think there's some, Nick Nurse discussion probably to have here, right? So our guy, unfortunately, Marcus Morris, tough game tonight, Devon. We yeah. we got to have the Marcus Morris moment. We of the very night. seriously said the Marcus Morris moment of the Good night was when he couldn't catch an inbounds pass and then got called for a tech. And we were thinking for a while there that's going to be the difference in this game. Is that one point now? So yeah. that didn't end up happening. But the other half of that decision to me is. Robert Covington not playing. And I think, you know, after the initial skepticism of Marcus, he was shooting so well that you completely understand. Guy shoots 50% from three or whatever it was for an extended period of time. Let him cook. Like, you leave him in the rotation mm -hmm. until he's not shooting well anymore. Well, Marcus was on an offer at halftime. Covington hadn't played. And... We've seen in other spots, like the Mo Bamba minutes tonight, he said, I'm going to start Mo in the second half. I don't understand why Marcus is, has a, as much rope as he does right now and why Covington, who I think, you know, he's been decent, certainly nothing spectacular, but has defensive value, has real things that he provides to this team. I don't know why he is the guy who's just like, well, he gets cast off to the side and he's got no chance to get in 
when the guy ahead of him essentially is playing awful. I don't know how we've arrived here. I, frankly, I don't know how that happened in L.A. as well under Ty Lu because this is not the first coach this happened under. I'm under no illusion that Robert Covington is like a all-defense level guy anymore, and I know what his limitations are. On the defensive end of the floor, he's more of an off-ball guy, not an on-ball stopper. I just don't know why that's become like Marcus Morris has sharpied in and Cove is like, well, maybe you'll get in the game for meaningful minutes at some point. I don't know. I don't know if does he because he's a more vocal veteran who will complain about not That's getting possible. his minutes. Yeah. Where Robert Covington is more of a laid back guy, he's not gonna ruffle any feathers, unless he really gets ticked off because at the end of the Clippers run, at the end of the season, and then in the offseason when he hadn't spoken to his head coach, he was vocally saying that he was disappointed in his role on the team. There might be a difference where they don't want to deal with that. And he was playing well, Morris was, for, for a stretch there. But now, on a night like tonight when we mentioned Hakez, all right, Marcus Morris can get physical with him, can keep up with him sometimes by using his strength and his quickness to bump him off his spot and recover. At least Covington, who is not a great on-ball on ball defender, he's a better on-ball defender. Yes. And if you're trying to slow that guy down, you're trying to give somebody you know, a little bit of something, a little bit of a spark because, again, not that Covington is going to grab the rebound because that's not him being all forceful and going up there and grabbing he the board. He is a pretty good rebounder a, for his position, say, yeah, though. He's a yeah. good rebounder. He, while he may not be forceful, he's a good rebounder. Yes. And he might have that quicker second jump where Marcus Mars may not on this particular night where you might want to call that number to try to slow that guy down a little bit and help out with your defensive lineups instead of putting Marcus out there. So, questionable. If we give praise to Nick Nurse, we got to also throw it at his feet, too, when he maybe is overusing one and not giving the guy another opportunity when you are giving Paul Reed's in trouble. Let's give Mo Obama these minutes. You see, I can do it, and I will do it. I don't know what Covington did or didn't do to not get any minutes tonight. Yeah, it's just... It feels like between Cove and Jaden Springer, who briefly got on the floor tonight, those are the two guys that are not really being given, I'd say, regular opportunities, at least befitting what they've shown on the floor, right? Like, I think K.J. Martin got some minutes tonight. He's had some decent stretches lately, so gets a, another chance tonight. I think we've seen D. House get a crack in the rotation with Batum out and some other guys in and out of the lineup. Certainly... D House has played well in garbage time and has his negative moments for sure, but Nick's given him a chance. So I don't I don't really understand why those two seem to be the first guys cut when they're cutting down on minutes or, or boosting someone else in the rotation. That's that's something we're gonna have to see play out over time. I don't know, maybe there's some pumping up the other guy's value for potential trades, but I would think, look, I don't I certainly don't think Covington is like a nailed on guy no. on this roster for yeah. sure. So you would think if he's a, a salary piece, you're going to potentially attach in a trade. Why not play him now and, you know, show what he's got left. Hey, you're trying to win this game. So you're trying to win this and, game. And and also that part of it. It might have <laughs> called for him to win this game tonight. Real, really quickly here, uh, Orlando 17 and 11. They're two and a half games back of the Sixers. Idle tonight. They won their last game, but they've only won four of their last 10. So they've lost six of their last 10 games where the Sixers are eight and two in their last 10. Despite our talking here tonight, they're eight and two. A lot of that because of Detroit and Washington also. But 
They're eight and two in their last 10. Nevertheless, they are a game and a half back of the Bucks after Milwaukee lost to the Knicks earlier this afternoon on Christmas Day. The Celtics beat the Lakers, so they remain at the top. Orlando is the next matchup. They play them on Wednesday in Orlando. So the revenge game for Mo Bamba. It's an opportunity there going against that young up-and-coming team that's fun to watch. Yes. They're they're, scrappy. They are long, athletic, can really get into you defensively. And, you know, we started the show with Tyrese. Probably fair to end it with Tyrese. It's the sort of team that on paper I think can pose a lot of problems to him. It's not necessarily that they have one guy that's going to shut him down, but they're going to show him a lot of length in the middle of the floor. So the driving lanes are going to close up quickly. It's going to meet guys at the summit quite often. So, and Suggs is a dog. Yes. So that's a guy who can bother him at the point of attack. We'll see hopes with it. Uh, The hope would be they get Joel back. He's back in the lineup. That obviously changes the calculus for everyone. Can't sell out to stop Tyrese. If you got the big man in the middle of the floor, but Still TBD on that. There is the possibility Joel joins them for that game, but don't know that quite yet. Uh, either way, I'm interested to see how they look because I, I think Orlando surprised some people this year and be a good test. 29 um, games, 29 games in the books for the Sixers, 29 record. Again, only three games out of first place, all things considered. Still a, a pretty good year for this team so far. A winnable game against the Miami, pardon me, the Orlando Magic on Wednesday for game two of this four-game road trip during the holidays. So you want to get up out of here, Devon? Say goodbye to our people on the way out? say goodbye. Guys, even more so than normal. I know I say this after every show that we do, but for you guys to be with us, I don't know what if it's all East Coasters, but for you guys to be with us at 11.30 p.m. on Christmas Day, to talk about a Sixers loss <laughs> to a Miami team that didn't have Jimmy Butler and the Sixers didn't have Joel Embiid. You guys are the diehards of all diehards. I love you. I love you being here. I love talking with you, to you, every single day. For those of you who haven't, though, who I love just a little bit less, please hit that subscribe button. Please hit the bell icon for notifications. JP has thrown up. You can become a diehard. That's all, all the information is available for that on allphly.com. A lot of great benefits, free shirt, Discord access, articles you can't see elsewhere from our wonderful staff here. That's obviously a great thing. And also on the way out, if you could hit the thumbs up button on this video, I will get a big boost of mood, morale, of happiness as Devon and I walk out. And I want to say some people individually Brian Knight, Jay of the Jungle, Liam, who I saw a bunch of comments as always, Phil, Money Mar, I saw Two Minute Warning, Furious, Julian, all you guys who are here with us, guys and gals. I know, you know, a lot of people hiding behind fake names, avatars, all mm-hmm. kinds of things. I love you all. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to those who do not celebrate Christmas. Devon, been a pleasure to be with you tonight. Always, man. I will catch you again on Wednesday. On Wednesday, I have Phillies tomorrow with Renee Washington and Kyle and uh, Tyler Zuli. Kyle and Derek will have the day off. Enjoy your day off, man. JP, thank you, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you, it. JP, who is also here with us on Christmas. Our yes, guy. indeed. Have a great rest of your Christmas hanging out. Hope you have the day off tomorrow so you can relax a little bit. Until Wednesday, we'll talk to you. Good night. Happy holidays.